the boards in front of the 200. Dr. Grayson, Sedestin are challenging and better loosen up on the extreme outside. Sedestin and Benedict have come away. They're fighting it out. Better loosen up on the extreme outside is roaring clear and better loosen up wins the Sajano. Sedestin second. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. Many Australian trainers have tried their horses on Pride's Racing Cube and have given the product a tick of approval. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube set recipe formulation means the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Pride's Racing Cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags, or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at an economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed Stable. Trainers of thoroughbreds, standard breads, and performance horses are giving it the thumbs up all around the nation. I was in for a major surprise when I got Sarah Ryan on her car phone on Monday afternoon, November the 13th, just six days after a Tractables win in the big dance at Randwick. Sarah had completed duties at Domelands Kalnura training base and was on her way to the Jillaby property she shares with partner Will Matthews. I assume she was finished with horses for the day but I should have known better. Sarah, the holder of a trainer's licence for less than 18 months, does things a little differently to most Australian trainers. She took a tractable home after the big dance to give him a complete change of scenery and a different routine. And when I got her on the car phone, she was hurrying home to saddle up and pop the big dance winner over a few obstacles. Sarah Ryan's background is in the show jumping and eventing pursuits. Her six-year association with the Hong Kong-owned Domeland began with the role of racing manager. Her obvious affinity with horses quickly saw her promoted to director of breaking in education and pre-training. When Sarah thought those horses were ready for serious training, they'd be dispatched to trainers like Peter Moody, Claire Cunningham, Bjorn Baker or Mark Newnham. When Newnham announced his relocation to Hong Kong earlier this year, Domeland decided to put all their eggs in one basket. Sarah was stunned when offered the role of head trainer for the organisation. Things have happened at breakneck speed. In fact, her head must be spinning as we introduce Sarah Ryan to the podcast. Am I correct in saying that? Very much so. I um, It has been a very whirlwind 18 months, that's for sure. For a long time now, you've held the opinion that this horse attractable is far more effective when allowed to stride along in front or near the lead. There are times he seems to be out of his comfort zone, Sarah, but he loves to race that way. He absolutely does. He's just he's just tough as nails. 
and, you know, you get him in the right position and he will give you everything he has left. Real trier, isn't he? He, he really is. I just, I absolutely love him to pieces. You actually broke him in and educated him before he was sent to Peter Moody. He won four races in Victoria, including a couple at Sandown, before coming back to you. Now, he didn't win in his first five runs, but he turned it around when you started to ride him aggressively. He won two at Rose Hill, he ran fourth at Randwick, and then off you went to the Coffs Harbour Cup, which you knew was a big dance qualifier. Yes, yeah, we um, I'd had that race in the back of my mind if he didn't quite get the, the 1,800 metres going up to Coffs, you know, three weeks between runs, back into trip and just having him nice and fresh and I'm glad that paid off. Mm. Andrew Gibbons rode him at Coffs Harbour. Yes, yeah, and he gave an absolute power of a ride. I, um, I spoke with Andrew on the way up and I said to him, I want to ride him exactly how we had him with Regan in the the mile at, at Rose Hill, mm. I just saw the race panning out that way and that's exactly how it happened at Coffs and it, it paid off. You gave him a little freshen after Coffs Harbour. Then he had a quiet trial and then a lead-up run in the Alan Brown stakes at Rose Hill. He ran fourth that day behind Cepheus, beaten only a length. You then had a month to the big dance, but you were not tempted to run him in between. Well, my original plan after the Coffs Cup, I looked at what was coming up and I mapped out how I wanted to get there. So we were doing the trial, the Alan Brown, and then we were going to go to the Five Diamonds Prelude. But after I watched him run in the Alan Brown, he threw his heart on the line. You know, he wasn't – he was he was forward but not as forward as I thought he was going to perform. And mm. I, I just knew he was – so confident that I needed to keep that confidence within him. Yeah, so you've got, you've got the, the power of observation, Sarah, is one of the most important facets of a trainer's technique and you've got it in spades. <laughs> Thank you. No, I just, I, I just love my horses. Oh, you sure do. <laughs> That's obvious. <laughs> at, at your insistence, Regan Bayless rode him very aggressively in the big dance. He was first out. He settled just outside the heels of the leader, I Know a Star, and then he dashed clear at the top of the straight with the race in his keeping. A lot of horses who chase the leader lose interest, but not attractable. He just, he, now that I've worked him out, I know exactly where he loves to be. He loves, he loves chasing. <laughs> And he cannot have anything in front of him. I think he's quite a claustrophobic horse. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it, I would know that because that, that's when he plays up most on the track when I'm riding him is when he sees other horses. Um, so if he's free rolling and he's got nothing around him, that's when he's happiest. Well, you were in a $3 million race at Royal Randwick on Melbourne Cup Day. How were the nerves leading up to the race? <laughs> um, uh Look, the morning of the big dance, I was as probably calmer than I thought I was going to be. But as soon as we set foot on Randwick, I I um I had to move myself away from the horse a couple of times because I didn't want to make him nervous. <laughs> you thought it might have been catchy. 
<laughs> yeah, very much. I mean, they, the horses know, and <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want anything rubbing off on him. Where did you watch the race? I um, I now have my spot at Ramwick, so I stood in the what I consider my lucky spot, and I watched it there with my my whole family and the team that came down to watch. Mm. You held back the tears until you did a television interview. <laughs> yeah, yes, I am. Um, <laughs> I was trying to compose myself, but I think I was an absolute whirlwind. I, I actually such a blur what happened after the, the after he won, and um, that, so much emotion, so much planning, and I was just mm. so happy that we pulled it off. Mm. Well, your dad Chris and mum Kathleen rarely get to the races, but they were there on the day, and so was brother Mark. Yeah, no, mum's been a handful of times, and that was my dad's. Second ever time, his first time he came when Regan won at Rose Hill and then he came again for the big dance and that's just, he, he must be um, Attractable's lucky charm. Mm. You ride him in all of his track work at Kalnura and you tell me when he's on song, you know about it. Attractable, of course, I'm talking about. He's a big character. I, I do reckon most like top quality horses have their quirks but he... He thinks he's a comedian and he can turn himself inside out when he wants to. You have to super glue your bum to his back to stay on him. Mm. So he's not dangerous but bordering on it. Uh, he's not He's not actively trying to get you off mm. but, look, he's, he's definitely stretching every muscle in his body, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, you've proven a month between runs is a good formula so I presume he won't start again until the Ingham, the old Villiers, on the 9th of December. Yes, I think, again, when horses run that well and they try that hard, it's it's hard for them to keep performing at that, that level. So we'll do exactly the same recipe he had that, like you said, he's had a little bit of a freshen up at my place and he's back in the barn as of today being Thursday, um, mm. and we'll start our prep into the village. Mm. Well, the big dance victory propelled you into the spotlight in a very big way, and many people are now wondering how your life with horses began. You grew up on Sydney's North Shore, and you had a school friend who owned her own pony, and you would go and watch her ride that pony most days after school, and you were quickly hooked. Yeah, she um, she kept it with uh, Vicky Roycroft, who spins the Olympics a few times for Australia, and I used to go up every every day with her and watch her ride and you know, play like you know groom and tack up. And I asked my mom every single day for two years for a pony, mm. and my first horse was a seventeen hand off the track thoroughbred named Onya Bob. Um, yes, that's how where it all began. Dear old Onya Bob, he'd had six race starts and hadn't been sighted. He was a very slow racehorse, but he could jump like a stag and you and he became a formidable duo in the show ring. You tell me he's 24 now and still being looked after by friends. Yeah, he, um, he is having a quieter time now. He's in retirement, but he still makes it out to a couple of shows every now and then. You showed great natural ability in the show jumping and eventing pursuits and it was only a matter of time before you sought expert tuition. 
Now, you've already mentioned this lady's name, the legendary Vicky Roycroft, an Olympian and a famous instructor. And you were getting to Vicky for personal lessons. She's, she taught me how to jump. She taught me my background in horse management and horse, you know, how to teach a young horse how to, how to do life. Um, and then I was very lucky to work for her for a little time before I started moving on to a few other trainers to what we call uh, in the performance world like our apprenticeship. So yes. I did my apprenticeship under a few other trainers as well. Well, there was a certain young bloke working for Vicky at the time with whom you struck up an instant friendship. Yes. Um, yeah, my now fiancé, uh, Will Matthew, he was working for Vicky at the time and, look, I don't think she was too impressed that her um, employee was sleeping with her her um, pupil. St- but star pupil. <laughs> <laughs> It um, you know, we've we've not turned back now. It's been ten years. Yeah, good on you. Well, you and Will live at Gillaby on a thirty-acre property, and Will is heavily involved in the show jumping world. Does he trade show jumpers? Yeah, he does. He does everything. He, he produces young horses to levels, and and will sell them. And he coaches. Um, and his dream one day is to hopefully represent Australia in the Olympics. Mm, good on him. I hope he does too. Will was at Randwick for the big dance too, wasn't he? He certainly was, yeah. Mm. So you had the full set, mum, dad, brother and Will Matthews. Yeah, yeah I had had my closest, dear, dear and closest to me that day. How did a young equestrian from the North Shore get to work in the Kalnura office of a Hong Kong-owned enterprise? I, um, I ask myself that every day. It actually it it came about. My vet Brett Jones approached me one day and said, oh, "Do you have some spare time to ride a few race ponies on the flat um, up at a property down the road from where we were living at the time?" And I mm. said, "Why not?" Um, I went to an interview, and it's just been a very very quick uphill slope from there. Yeah. And you spoke to King Cheng, did you, at that time? Uh, no, I only met King, I think it was two years ago now. Um, he he was more heavily involved in the fun rise, the, the toy section of it, and he moved over here and started working in the horse industry and that's where I met him. Right. Well, you were working in the office to begin with, but how did somebody notice your affinity with horses? Were you getting out playing around with the horses in the lunch break? Um, oh, very much so. Like I, I would go and, oh, man, you, can't, you can't hold me back from horses. I'm with them 24-7. It's hard to keep me inside an office actually. Mm. <laughs> That's probably my biggest downfall. Um, but, yeah, it's a, they just noticed I was running an adjustment business so it was pretty natural progression. Yes. Well, it wasn't long before you were appointed director of breaking in and pre-training on that wonderful property. To use an old colloquialism, Sarah, you took to it like a duck to water. <laughs> yes, no, I absolutely, I absolutely love working with the horses. It's, um, you know, what I always wanted to do. Um, so it, it was just great to be given the opportunity. Mm. Well, when you felt those horses were ready for a serious preparation, off they'd go to trainers like Bjorn Baker, Peter Moody, 
Claire Cunningham, who is now Mrs Jason Collett, and Mark Newnham, who recently relocated to Hong Kong. You obviously had frequent contact with those trainers at the time. Yeah, I have to give credit to each of them. I've, you know, would see how fit they would want them. I, I got to watch the horses progress under their training and see what they do. You know, I'm very much quite an observant person. So, you know, how long until they would trial them, how many trials they'd have, how many runs in a prep, the condition of the horses. I would go and watch them race under those trainers. So I would get to see the horses. Um, and that's, I definitely learnt a bit of everything from all of them. Mm. It's not widely known that you were an attractable go back a long way. You actually broke him in and educated him and got him started. Were his well-known quirks evident to you even then, that far back? He, he was worse as a young horse. I'm I'm pretty convinced my spleen is not in the same place anymore um, because of how <laughs> quick he would just – he just would dart across the track. I'd, mm. A track at Domund is probably about – 12 horses abreast at the at the longest point and mm. I've definitely been from one side of the track to the other side of the track in one canter stride. Mm. So you, you can't take your eye off him for one second? Absolutely not. You've never been able to. He, he He's actually maturing in his in his older age but he's still, still up to his antics. Mm. Well, you were very happy doing what you were doing at that time and is it true that the thought of actually training thoroughbreds hadn't entered your head. No, it it and it, it honestly never did. I I um, you know, love working with the horses, and I just didn't think I knew enough about the training aspect of horses. I didn't realise how close and similar, you know, getting an eventing horse's fitness is to a, a race horse, essentially. Mm. Um, and it was only because my partner one day said to me, Sarah, get your owner trainer's license. And I approached Domlin and asked whether I could use their facility for that license if I got mm. a couple of my own on the side. And they said, yes, sure. Mm. Um, so I went for it. Right. So did you start training a couple of your own before you were offered the big job? I did, yeah. I had um, a horse named Vegas Outlaw. He was my first horse mm. that I got. And I um, just was playing around with him on the side as a – as, as just something that complemented what I was doing at the time. Mm. Vegas Outlaw, I'm glad you mentioned him. His win at the recent Saturday meeting at Wyong could not have been more impressive. He he. It's taken him a while to work out what to do, but he the penny has dropped with him, and I was I never seen him perform on a good track, so I was a little cautious about that, mm. but he was very dominant and Grant gave him an absolute polar of a ride. Mm, Grant Buckley, he was quite impressed, wasn't he? He was very much so. Mm. Is it true, Sarah, that Domeland didn't really begin to think about a change of structure until Mark Newnham announced his intention to relocate to Hong Kong? That seemed to trigger it. They were thinking about the provincial horses keeping them in-house. Um, that was just before Mark was leaving. It's a cheaper option, not progressive horses, you know, that paying city trainer fees for a horse that's not a city-class horse is a very expensive business. Um, but when Mark announced his move, 
they decided that we're going to do everything in-house. Tell me about this special meeting called by King Cheng. You went to the office, you sat on the other side of the desk. I wonder what was running through your mind. Did you have any idea what he wanted? Um, no. To be honest, no, not not at all. I um, He had spoken to me previously about, you know, my aspirations in life. Um, I owe him a lot. He, he's very much a man who who loves to see people progress and go where they want to go in life. Um, and so we'd had a conversation previously and he, he asked me if I wanted to be a trainer at that meeting and I, I said to him, no, probably not. Um, mm. So when he brought me in for, for the next meeting, I, um, I, I did scratch my head, but to have someone believe in you like that yeah. makes you believe in yourself. Do you recall your first words when he offered you the job? Um, I'm I'm pretty sure I said, okay, why not? <laughs> Did you? You bit the bullet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wasn't I wasn't going to say no, um, and I'm just one of those people, you know. I I work hard, but you got to take every opportunity that comes your way. Yes, seize the moment. Yes, very much so. Sarah, stand by for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll come back with you after this. Randwick history changed course early in 2022 when Racing New South Wales and the Australian Turf Club made a joint announcement concerning the renaming of one of the oldest races on the Randwick calendar. Time-honoured Villiers, first run in 1892, was superseded by the Ingham, named after one of Australian racing's most famous families. Prize money for the race rocketed to $2 million and the Ingham family immediately arranged for the occasion to become the centrepiece of a very important fundraiser. All monies raised through sponsorship and fundraising on the day will be donated each year to the Ingham Institute for Applied Medical Research. For many decades, the old Villiers seemed to signify that Christmas was not far off and the Ingham will carry the same message. Most of the top line milers are between carnivals when the Christmas mile is run, but through the years, a few big-name horses have popped up. Easily the most significant was the champion Burnborough, who was a six-year-old before he came to Sydney from Toowoomba in 1945. He was beaten at his first Sydney start at Canterbury, but two weeks later, he won the Villiers by a huge margin to begin a winning streak of 15 straight. It's unlikely a horse as good as Burnborough will ever contest the Ingham, but the race will quickly gain recognition as the Christmas mile that generates valuable funds for the Ingham Institute of Applied Medical Research. My special guest is Sarah Ryan, who saddled up the big dance winner at Randwick on Melbourne Cup Day. Well, to begin with, you acquired that owner-trainer's licence and with Domeland's blessing, you added one or two horses of your own to the team. Domeland, in fact, leased you a horse called Prefect Match, who became your first winner on a very wet day at Wyong in the middle of 2022. I think Jason Collett was the jockey. What an experience. I Initially, when I was taking on... I applied for my provincial licence and they actually knocked me back when I first applied because I wasn't experienced enough. Mm-hmm. So Domeland said, well, we'll lease you some horses so you can get some more experience. And 
I remember that day quite well. It was it was absolutely miserable. It was, you know, at my home track at Wyong, and he just absolutely flew home. Mm. I certainly did. That was a, a great way to announce your presence as a professional horse trainer. Prefect Match carried your colours that day, which are becoming increasingly well-known. Grey with black seams, black and white hoop sleeves and a grey cap. And I noticed them on uh, the Wyong winner the other day, the horse we spoke about, Vegas Outlaw. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very grateful. I, I get the opportunity to train just a couple of my own horses um, while being a Domeland's trainer. Your first winner in the Domeland colours, those spectacular colours, red, yellow band, yellow stripe sleeves, was Da Nang Star at Port Macquarie in November of 2022. You won't forget that one. That, that got the monkey off your back. Yeah, very much so. And that horse as well, he was a stable favourite of everyone at home, so it was it was great to see him win. Second only to Attractable as one of your favourites is the long-striding grey much, much better. I think he's won four on your watch, including two at Randwick. Yeah, he um, he's just, again, another tough, tough on-pacer um, and he is – just as cheeky as attractable. I, I love a horse with character and he certainly has bounds of it. Mm. Well, you broke him in too and educated him before he went to other trainers and you say he was an absolute smart aleck. He certainly was. When he got broken in, he actually cracked his head on the round yard. He bronked so hard. Now, by the time this podcast is posted, much, much better will have run in a benchmark 94 at Newcastle. What happens after that? He, well, we'll see what he's done. And there is a couple of other races coming up for him. I think Razor Sharp is something we ran him in last year. Um, we'll see what, what's around at the time. But he's also had quite a long prep, so it might be time to put him away after this. Mm. So Good, So Cool was another one to help you along in the early days. You won four races with him pretty quickly, including a benchmark at Canterbury and a Randwick Midway. Where is So Good, So Cool currently? He is currently just started back in. He had a very, very long prep last start. Um, And so I gave him a a nice long spell um, and he will probably look to trial in Three to four weeks. Mm. Another of your team under the new arrangement was Marcia Latte, previously trained by Mark Newnham. I think you might have some bad news regarding a very promising horse. Yeah, no, unfortunately or heartbreakingly, in his last trial, he did a tendon. He had a a small hole in SDFT, so... Mm. He's going to be in a long rehab. He has been gelded, but I will do everything in my power to try and get him back to the races. Oh, he's a pretty fair horse. Mark Newnham had a big opinion of him. He ran fourth in the spring champion stakes and he placed in several other group three and group two races. Yeah, no, and he um, he was just a beautiful, or well, he is a beautiful sold animal. He just, you know, he at home, 
he's one of those horses that is so smart. He only does what he has to and he turns it on on race day. Mm. All right. So those interested, Marcia Latte is not finished. He'll be back to fight another day. He certainly will. Your workday commences in the pre-dawn light at Wyong, where Domeland has 13 boxes. Now, there's a special lady there by the name of Samantha Harris, better known as Sammy, who does a great job looking after that arm of the business. But you go there and you actually participate in track work, first thing. Yeah, no, first thing I do in the morning is I walk in the barn, say hello to everyone and say hello to my ponies and then we go through our work plan for the morning um, and then we get straight into it. I start riding and... Sammy keeps me sane um, mm. get get the horses done at, at Wyong, make sure they're okay, they've recovered well, um, and then I move on to my next location. Right, it's a 25-minute drive to Kalnura where another dozen or so horses await your presence. Now, that unique training property, as you well know, was established in the early 1980s by the late Larry Pickering, cartoonist, caricaturist, a master illustrator of books and calendars and a great Aussie character. There were many raised eyebrows, Sarah, when Larry announced one day that he was going to become a professional horse trainer. But like most things that remarkable bloke took on, he made a good job of it. He won a stack of races and finished second in the 1986 Melbourne Cup with a horse called Rising Fear. Yeah, no, it's a it's a fantastic property, and I, um, you know, I I think it's one of the keys to my training techniques, being able to have a facility that you can train a horse off, without ever having to bring them to the racetrack and have them just as fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is an asset to any any trainer. Some horses just do not cope with that that mm-hmm. really busy environment at the track. Um, so it's fantastic to have. When Larry first unveiled that dream training property, all of the boxes were constructed in timber, which gave the place a lovely old-world look. But over a few decades, the termite army won the war and Domeland had the unenviable and very expensive job of rebuilding those stables. Yeah, so we've just... We've just finished upgrading um, one half of the property and so we've got two brand new 10-horse barns, um, which is great to have. Um, but the old stables are still on one side, so there's mm. still the uh, the characters still there. Yeah, something charming about them, isn't there? Yeah, very much so. It's, it's quite stunning when you're driving down the driveway and you've got the gum tree lined and the yards on one side and the stables on the other. It's just beautiful. Yes. A feature of the property, of course, is a grass track, which is the envy of many other trainers. What are the dimensions of that big grass gallop? Well, I'm very lucky to have it. It's a, it's a three-kilometre track. It goes around the entire outside of the property, mm. um, a bit more like an English-style track. There's up and down parts, but the straight itself is 400 metres and it's on a flat and it's about – you could ride 12 horses abreast. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. It's uh, any amount of room. So many wonder how you can keep the water 
up to a track of that size in the summertime? Well, the fantastic thing about the location of it is there is unlimited spring water um, and the bores are uh, good quality. A, a lot of the bottled water is actually from that area, that Pete's Ridge Springs, um, and that, that the property is lucky that we have a giant water licence mm-hmm. and the water will never run out. Mm, good news. Comforting. Yes, yeah. It definitely was during the drought, put it that way. You obviously have a wonderful little team around you there at Kalnura. Yes. Oh, you couldn't You couldn't do it. I couldn't have the amount of horses without without good people around me. You're constantly working on the mindsets of your horses. You like to saddle some of the race horses up in the afternoon and pop them over a cavaletti or two or maybe something a little higher. It takes their minds completely off the tedium of training and racing. You know, I'm a big believer of having the horse trust their rider um, and... If you're doing something different with the horses all the time, I, I find that the horse is more asking the rider, what would you like me to do today instead of, oh, I have to go to work. Um, mm. and, and, you know, changing their mindset of like them wanting to go to work. And also, I, I love working them in the afternoons when it's a little bit warmer. So they're used to that environment of working in a warm environment like they would on race day in summer. Mm. I'm sure you've heard this one before, Sarah. Can't recall if I mentioned this to you previously, but the iconic jockey Lester Piggott rode track work there one day for trainer Kevin Connolly, who Domeland appointed as their trainer after he brought the property. Now, Lester had sneaked into Sydney and he was actually Kevin Connolly's house guest for a few days and he agreed to ride a couple of gallops on that beautiful big track and I just happened to be there on a Friday morning with the Sky Channel cameraman. Now, Lester at that time was a bit media shy following a much publicised battle with the British tax office but he did consent to give me a few words. If you use your imagination, you might sense the presence of the legendary Piggott alongside you some mornings. I could very much see that. It um, yeah, the the track does get quite lonely out there, so I do like to listen, listen, and think as I'm riding. Yeah, and we'll just say you're there, Lester. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, do that. Stable mates uh, accompanied Lester in a couple of track gallops that day, and they were ridden by Peter Losh, a very popular jockey at the time, who was getting down to Kalnura to help Larry Pickering out or to help Kevin Connolly out at that stage. And Peter has never forgotten it. You've enjoyed success with a small but select group of go-to jockeys, Andrew Gibbons, Jason Collett, Grant Buckley, Brock Ryan uh, won a couple of races for you too on uh, the grey, I think, much, much better. Uh, Yes. Dylan Gibbons, Aaron Bullock and Regan Bayless the young bloke who took you to racing's biggest stage the other day. Yeah, no, I am. Um, you know, the, the jockeys at the end of the day, they, they're the ones that make the final calls. I just have to get the horses. They're happy and fit and I put my faith in them. I am a big believer in picking the right jockey for the right horse. I think, you know, coming from a riding background myself, 
I don't get on with every single horse and some jockeys don't get on with every single horse and mm. I just you got to pick jockey strength to the horse's strength. Good point. The Sydney riding ranks have never been stronger than they are today. There are only three or four legitimate chances in most races and you've got 19 jockeys trying to get on them. It's very tough going for a young and talented rider like Regan Bayless, but hasn't he got a wonderful attitude? He just turns up, rides a huge amount of work and makes the most of every single opportunity. Very much so. I think Regan is extremely underrated. I, I, what I love about him is when he rides for me, before he comes and talks to me, he watches the race three or four more times out, holding his saddle, watching the replay, and then he'll come and he'll chat. And I can just see, you know, the clogs toging. It's even if he wins, he, he you know, he, he loves to watch and replay and I can see his mind, his mind working before, you know, we get to talk to each other. Mm. Great temperament, hasn't he, Regan Bayless? Very much so. <laughs> the, um, mm. He was what kept me calm on the big day. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Yes, he, his, he, when he stepped out pre-race, I could just see that he was confident and his confidence gave me confidence. Things have happened for you at an amazing pace. Are you still giving yourself a little pinch every now and again when nobody's watching? <laughs> every now and then I, um, I keep remembering I, I won, you know, quite a big race and it, it's, you know, fantastic for my team because we worked so very, very hard for this and, you know, you always hope that you can pull it off, but mm. like you said, only one horse wins that race. Mm. You've got 13 at Wyong. You've got another 12 or 13 at Kalnura. Is that your preferred number at this stage, 25, 26 horses? Obviously, you have to expand to be competitive in the Sydney game, but I never want to be big numbers. I, I love knowing my horses and I love riding them. I don't necessarily need to ride all of them every day, but when you do, riding 25 is is a lot. I'll say. I'll say. As I said earlier, you must fall into the cot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I sleep. I sleep very well, that's for sure. There are many horses waiting in the wings, Sarah, which will thrive on the methods you've adopted. So far, those methods have produced amazing results. For the people who identified your special talent and decided to run with it. Well done. Keep up the good work and a delight to have you on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Sarah Ryan, our special guest on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Many Australian trainers have tried their horses on Pride's Racing Cube and have given the product a tick of approval. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube set recipe formulation means the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Pride's Racing Cube 
is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags, or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at an economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed Stable. Trainers of thoroughbreds, standardbreds, and performance horses are giving it the thumbs up all around the nation.